As we get older, we lose our wonder. And we see it at Christmas. It's so great. There's so many kids in here today. But I want to talk to you adults for a moment because when you were young, when you were a kid, Christmas was full of wonder for you, wasn't it? Because you headed down on Christmas Day and there was that big pile of presents and you had no clue what was in the presents. But now, if we're honest, as we get older, the pile is not quite so big. Am I right? And we do know what's in the presents every single year, don't we? Because it's chocolates and it's hankies and it's socks and it's aftershave. And then there's always that one thing that you open and the person that's given it to you is in the room and they're looking at you. And anyone had that experience? And you say to your face, look like I even know what it is. And then look like it's just what I've always wanted. You see, the reality is that as we get older, we lose the wonder of Christmas. But also as we get older, we can lose the wonder of life. As well. And you see in the book, The Biological Advantage of Being Awestruck, a book I'm sure you've all read, maybe not, it says this our ability to step into wonder has helped us survive as a species. Maybe you haven't read that book, but you'll know the guy, Albert Einstein. He said this, He who can no longer pause and wonder and stand wrapped in awe is as good as dead. You see, as we get older, the awe and the wonder that we feel changes to a different kind of wonder. So we wonder what. We wonder what might happen to us or to our family, maybe next week or next year. We wonder what might happen to the economy. We wonder what might happen to the world around us. We wonder when. When that thing we dreamt about will ever become real or that tough situation will ever change. We wonder why. Why that awful thing happened? Why that person had to go? Maybe we wonder if. We wonder if there might be, from time to time, we wonder if there might be more to life than what we're currently experiencing. We wonder if there might be more to life than what we can see, touch, eat, feel, or wear. And maybe we begin to wonder about things like that. You see, children have such an openness Apparently, researchers say that on average, children ask around 125 probing questions every single day. Whereas adults, we ask around six. Because we lose the wonder and the intrigue and the questioning as we get older. And you see that at Christmas time. I love these kind of Christmas stories. So Daniel, age seven, from Stanfield Junior School in Merseyside, and I won't even try to do the accent, but he said this, I know for his birthday, baby Jesus got money and gold from the wise men, but I'd have given him a Liverpool kit. (laughs) And then there's this story about this lady, and she says, I went to stay with my daughter for Christmas. I heard my grandson praying at the top of his voice for a new bike His big sister told him, God's not deaf, you know. He replied, no, but Nan is. (laughs) And there's something else about the openness of children. You know, the Daily Telegraph recently published some research. Listen to what they said. Dr. Justin Barrett, a senior researcher at the University of Oxford Center for Anthropology, he says this, young people have a predisposition to believe in a supreme being because they assume that everything in the world was created with a purpose. He says that young children have faith even when they've not been taught about it by family or at school. And he argues that even those raised alone on a desert island would come to believe in God. You see, people say to me that Christians can be so closed-minded. I've often heard people say to me, oh, you're a Christian, you believe in God. You're so closed-minded to think that there is a God. 
And I want to kind of say to them lovingly, and you're telling me that you've come to the conclusion that there could be nothing more to life than what you can see or experience. And you say that I am the one who is closed-minded. So if we could open our mind to the possibility that there might be a God, that the possibility that there might be someone out there, the next question surely must be, so what? What does that mean for us if it might be true that there could be a God? Well, for a moment, let's wonder at the universe. You know, there are seven billion of us living on the planet, but there are many, many more stars in the sky. For every one of us, the seven billion, there are 12, there are a trillion stars out there. That's one with 12 zeros after it. That's amazing. That's only the ones that we know about. So now let's zoom out and let's zoom out to the Milky Way, past the stars and to the Milky Way. Within that, our sun is one of 200 hundred stars in the galaxy. No, sorry, I meant 200 billion stars in the galaxy. And our sun is huge. It's one million times larger than the earth. But it's not the biggest star out there. That's called Canis Majoris. And that's a million times bigger than the sun. So the sun is a million times larger than the earth. And Canis Majoris is a million times larger than the sun. That's amazing. Now let's talk about time. This is what scientists believe. That our sun's light takes eight minutes to get to us. But the light from stars in Andromeda, our nearest galaxy, has taken two and a half million years to get to us. So what we are seeing is what it looked like two and a half million years ago. Maybe one day we'll travel to Mars. If we do, it will take three years to get there. That's a long time. But to get to the edge of our solar system will take 50 years and to the next star, 20,000 years. Now, if we allow our minds to stay open and not closed, if we could wonder, might there be a creator behind this creation? Might it be God? You see, you open up the bonnet of a car and you say, that's an amazing engine. Nobody designed that. Or you look at an incredible building and you think, that's an amazing building. Nobody designed that. No architect was involved. We would never say that. And yet we look at the creation and we say, no, no, no. I can't just believe that there's a creator behind it. But I can because we can wonder and we can keep our mind open. You see, there's not as much conflict between science and faith as many people believe. Many of the world's greatest scientists, past and present, have also had faith in God. Science can tell us a lot about how, but very little about why. But the Bible in Psalm 19 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. And once we wonder at the vastness of the universe, then we start to think about our own smallness. So let's zoom in now and let's use Google Earth. And we're going to find you on Google Earth. Okay, here we go. We're coming in. It's not Africa. No, you're not in Africa. And you're not even in Europe because Brexit has seen to that. Okay. And you're coming in. And here's Zion Christian Center. And here you are right here in that building. And when you zoom out from the galaxy and from the universe and you zoom into you, it's so easy just to feel small and insignificant and irrelevant and inconsequential. But God doesn't think like that about you for one single moment. You see, from every corner of the universe, from every star and planet, 
from every mountain and valley, from every tree and river, from every plant and flower. It all declares His creation. And right at the centre, the centrepiece of His creation is you and you and you and me and us. And that's amazing, isn't it? right at the center. And God proved this by doing something mind-bending, something awesome, something wonderful. The God who created became the created. The God of vastness became a baby of ultimate smallness. And God did that for you and for me. Wonder. And you know, this is the wonder of Christmas. It's not sing-alongs or snowflakes. It's not stockings or Santa. It's that God came to earth so we could see Him and so we could know Him. The Bible puts it like this. God showed how much He loves us by sending His only Son into the world that we might have eternal life through Him. His story collides with our story. The extraordinary collides with the ordinary. That's the wonder of the first Christmas story. Mary and Joseph and shepherds were ordinary people. You know, even rich wise men, when you boil it down, are ordinary people. But the extraordinary collides with the ordinary, and that's wonder. So if you're wondering what might happen, or when that situation might change, or why that bad thing happened, or why that person left, could you also open your mind to the wonder question, I wonder if, if there might be a God, could I know Him? Maybe you say, okay, Leon, if I could see him, then I'll believe. But faith doesn't work like that by definition. You see, faith is like a key in the door. You've got to turn it before you can open it. Actually, it's not even like that. It's like those automatic doors you get at supermarkets. They don't open until you walk towards it. Many people say, open the door, then I'll walk in. But that's not how faith works. As you walk towards it, then it opens. You see, we say seeing is believing, but actually believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. And there was a moment in my life where I didn't believe in God. But then I did. As I walked towards it, the doors opened. And I thought, wow, there is a God who loves me, who created me. And there are millions of people on planet Earth who didn't used to believe, who do now. There are lots of people in this room who didn't used to believe, but now they do. And maybe if you don't believe, maybe this Christmas could be the time when you walk towards that door and you come to believe also. I wonder.